So do you remember this coming Friday? It's, 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 this week is an exciting week. We have the Good Friday. Do really invite your friends to just come along, and it's going to be a powerful time this uh, weekend. You know, being the Good Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday is a highlight of the calendar of the church, and we look forward to it. But today, we like to talk about even the, uh, this, this Sunday. This Sunday actually is... Uh, 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 Palm Sunday and uh, also Passion Sunday. Now, many of us know this Sunday as Palm Sunday. Very few of us, you know, link it to Passion Sunday. All right. In fact, the word Passion Sunday is hardly in the vocabulary of many Christians. But it is also Passion Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday is celebrated all over the world, and usually in some traditional churches, the children will go around parading and uh, carrying all those, uh, waving all those uh, uh, palm leaves and all that. And in Malaysia, we have no problem getting palm leaves. Christmas tree is harder to get, you know, but palm is everywhere. And I think in our children's church, they are also celebrating that. That's the day when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, uh, or rather not walked, but rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And which is something that he has never done. Everywhere Jesus walked, he doesn't have a Mercedes, he doesn't have BMW, he has his two feet and he just walked. But on that day, he brought tradition and he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to fulfill the scriptures. And so you find that it was a celebration. All right, the whole town, the whole city was all celebrating. celebrating. And it is very significant for us. And we know it as Palm Sunday. But it is also Passion Sunday. It is also Passion Sunday in the sense that it was leading towards the cross. It was the beginning, as somebody have said, it is the beginning of the end. But was it really the beginning of the end? It is more than that. But as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he knows what is going to happen. There will be the religious leaders that we are all out to kill him. He know that the Son of Man will be betrayed. The betrayer was at hand. And, uh, and, 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 and uh, there will be uh, the, uh, the, cruci the, the crucifixion that is coming. And he also know that on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And that's what passion is. But there was a struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane where he will struggle with the will of the Father. And then, all right, the Last Supper, so what do you talk about? Do you talk about palm or do you talk about passion? If today I were to talk about Palm Sunday, we will be talking about the crowd that was strong in Jesus, celebrating the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It was a celebration. It was very, very upscale uh, 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 and it was very, very joyous and pompous. But if you were to talk about Passion Sunday, Everything just turned around from passion or from celebration to that of a gloom, a somberness. I believe that both elements were there. It is both palm and it is both passion for all of us. What do I mean by that? Let's continue to look into the scriptures. My text is taken from Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to verse 10. Now, all the four Gospels recorded the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem on that day. But let me just read to you 
from Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. Maybe we shall read it together, shall we? Can we stand together for the reading of God's word? Let's read Mark 11, verse 1 to verse 10. Ready? Let's read together. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a coat outside in the street, tied at the doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing, untying that coat? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the coat to Jesus and they threw their clothes over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. May God add blessings to his word. Thank you. Please be seated. The triumphant entry of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem that marked the final week of Jesus Life on this earth is recorded in all the four Gospels. Matthew, Luke, John, and Mark. That means it is something that is very, very significant and none of them miss it. But they record, each one of them record from their perspective. And there are details in each record that are very, very significant. It's just like if there are four witnesses to the coronation of the king. Each one will, will describe you know, the coronation in different ways. Some will talk about the clothing of the king. Some will talk about the crown. Some will talk about the people present. Some will talk about the protocol and uh, different aspects. But when you put all of this together, it gives us a composite picture of what actually happened. So you find that all four of them talk, talk about the, uh, 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 the entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. But Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 17, give us the record. And in verse 10, he says, And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? Matthew recorded for us the pompous occasion. It was highly celebrative, you know, and the whole city was involved. And they were asking the question, who is this? Some recognized Jesus, some did not. But the whole city was stirred up. Luke chapter 19, in verse 40, when the Pharisees told Jesus, tell your disciples to keep quiet, he said, he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the, the very stones would cry out. In other words, there was a shouting, there was a, 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 a loud declaration of Jesus Christ praising Him, receiving Him even as their King. And in Luke, uh, and then in John chapter 12, verse 12 to 19, the religious leaders were shocked at the reception that Jesus received in Jerusalem. 
And they even complain, look, the whole world is going after this man. In other words, there was high celebration as if the whole world, the whole city has gone after Jesus Christ and they were scared of that. So from all these three gospel writers, you find that it was more of Palm Sunday when there was celebration, the whole city rejoicing. But in the account that I have just read to you in the Gospel of Mark, it's kind of different. It's kind of more sober. There was the lacking, that element of celebration, at least, you know, on a high scale. It is as if there is a foreboding. You know, Mark says that something else is happening behind the scene. Yes, there is a parade, but the parade there in Mark is more of a mini parade. He did not highlight many other things that, that these gospel writers, Matthew, Luke, and John, uh, described. So his is more controlled, more subdued, as if there is a funeral procession that, procession that is going to come along. So in that sense, therefore, it is not just Palm Sunday for Mark, but it is also Passion Sunday. What's the difference? Passion. Uh, Palm Sunday is when Jesus Christ was received, you know, as, as, as a king, as a Messiah. Passion Sunday, Jesus Christ, heading towards the cross, he would be not the king, but he would be the suffering servant. Suffer, suffering servant, or the man of sorrows, described even in the book of Isaiah. Palm Sunday, there is the glory. Passion Sunday, there is the gloom. So what is it going to be for us? Palm or passion? For Mark, it is both. And I think that's what life is all about, isn't it? We wish that every day is Palm Sunday. Oh, we can celebrate life. We are on top of the world. People appreciate us. People cheer us. People encourage us. We do not like passion. We do not like the cross. We do not like the suffering, the pain. But life is filled with passion week as well for us. Where marriages is not as it should be. Where children do not obey. Where businesses fail. Where the future is not so certain. So it is both palm and passion. But in the midst of it all, praise God, we have the victory, the triumph of God. You can be triumphant not only on Palm Sunday, but on Passion Sunday as well. Somebody say amen. That's what life is. That's the reality of life. We struggle with, with it. The conflict sometimes can be so intense. And we may at times be tempted to give up. But I tell you what Jesus Christ has done when he went through all right, to uh, Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday and that Passion Sunday, He won the victory for us. Are you victorious? Are you triumphant where you are? You can be. If you learn from what the Lord has for us, even on Palm and Passion. How? First of all, you can triumph in God's plan. Everybody say, God's plan. 
God's plan. Triumph, first of all, in God's plan. It is not just uh, 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 events here and there, but rather the overall plan of God. And God has a plan. God has a plan for the life of, of Jesus Christ on this earth. God has a plan even for your life. God has a plan for this world. It is not out of control. Sometimes things seem to be out of control and run haphazardly, but I tell you, God's hand is still upon this world that He has created. Hallelujah. So, triumph in God's plan, first of all. Now, Mark chapter 11, verse 1, when they were approaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered into Jerusalem knowing what was going to happen, knowing the plan of the Father, in Jerusalem, it wasn't a haphazard planning. Oh, suddenly he decided, well, oh, it's Passover time. It's Passover season. Let's go to Jerusalem. No. Even days and weeks ahead, he was already preparing his disciples. The Son of Man must go to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be treated badly. He will suffer. He will, he will be put to death there. He was already aware of what is going to happen. And he intentionally, on that day, entered into Jerusalem. It wasn't an accident. It was according to God's plan. And God's plan is, uh, is, is uh, uh, recorded in the Bible. It's not something that just suddenly happens. Matthew chapter 21, verse 4. Matthew was carefully, careful to let us know that this is in accordance with God's plan. And God's plan was already prophesied earlier. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. From the donkey to the procession to what happens, everything was already prophesied in detail. Hundreds of years before they actually happened. In fact, there are 332 prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on this final week of Jesus, details of what is going to happen has already been given. From the, from the riding, triumphant entry into Jerusalem, even to the cross. It was already prophesied in accordance with God's plan. God fulfills everything that His Word declares. Amen? Everything that's, that has been prophesied, it was fulfilled to the very dot, to the very last minutest detail of His plan. It was fulfilled just as was spoken by the prophet. Friends, if God says so, it will come to pass. If God says so, it will come to pass. And there are many other things that God has said so. It has not come to pass yet, but it will. For example, in the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ, first of all, He set off from Mount of Olives. And then there was a procession that led into Jerusalem and He entered by the East Gate. All the details was given. And guess what? When Jesus Christ is coming again in His second coming, hey, it's deja vu. It's going to happen again. But this time, it's going to be the real triumphant entry. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 and verse 9 tells us that He shall set His foot upon, upon Mount Olives. Mount Olives. Those of you who visit, who go to Jerusalem and all that, Make sure you don't miss out Mount Olives. It's still there. And Jesus is going to set his foot there on Mount Olives. And then Ezekiel chapter 43 and chapter 44 also tells us that, hey, 
when he comes, he will set his foot upon Mount Olives and he will enter into Jerusalem triumphantly by the east gate. Again by the east gate. And then Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 16 tells us that Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth. He will not be riding a donkey, but he will be riding a white stallion, a white horse. With his saints, together with his saints. And all this is prophesied. It will come to pass. So be patient. Everything in God's word will come to pass. Now, some of us love prophecies, all right? We jump from one prophet to another, so-called prophet, you know. We want preachers, you know, uh, speakers to come and lay hands on, uh, on us and we tell the speaker, you know, man of God, tell me, you know, uh, what's going to happen uh, to me. We love prophecies. And, 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 and yes, you know, the word of the Lord is prophetic. But we love prophecies, but we do not read the word of God. Hey, the word of the Lord has given us everything. You want to know what's going to happen, not just in this world, but in your life, direction, guidance, leadings, go to the Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord will lead you and guide you. When you read the Word of the Lord, when you ask the Lord to lead and guide you in the reading of God's Word, when you have questions, when, 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 when you are doubtful about the direction of your life, go to the Word of the Lord. He will lead you and guide you. There may not be 332 prophecies about your life. No, but there will be guidance and direction, you can be sure, from the Bible. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of us, instead of going to the Word of the Lord to see what God has to say about His plan for our life, we go and read the horoscope. We go and ask the first feng shui master, Oh, what shall I do? How shall I, when I move into my new house, how shall I arrange this and that? What must I do to have good luck flowing into my house? Not flowing out, but flowing into my house. Hey, you don't need all of this. Friends, it is the word of the Lord. And God has a plan for your life. And whatever God has for, uh, that, that plan for your life, it will come to pass. It is the word of the Lord. God has a clear plan for you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. To bless you, to prosper you in every way. If God says He has a plan for us, friends, let's seek God for His plan. Let's choose God's agenda. It would be very easy for Jesus to reject God's plan even. He could have done that. He could escape Jerusalem because in that, it, it, although, although that entry into Jerusalem is triumphant, all right, uh, there is palm, but then there is that, 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 that passion that comes along with it, the suffering, the death. He could have rejected it, but no, he chose God's way. Right up to the very end. And that's why the Bible says God has highly exalted Jesus Christ because of His obedience, even obedience to the cross. And the disciples, at least in this instant, they also demonstrated that. Jesus told them, you go to this village, you'll find a cold tide there, and He told them exactly what's going to happen and what they were supposed to do. 
And the Bible recorded for us, and the disciples did exactly as what Jesus told them. That's obedience. If only every one of us will do exactly as what God has told us to do, there will be triumph and victories in every area. But sometimes we do not choose God's agenda. Why? Because we are afraid. Oh, it's too much. It's too much. I cannot follow. Or sometimes we think, oh, if I follow God's agenda, I lose all the fun in life. The fun in life is following God, really. Not just doing your own agenda that will end many times in disappointments and tragedies. Turn to your neighbor and say, choose God's plan. Choose God's plan. God's plan is always better. His way is always higher for each and every one of us, though at times we may not understand it. And in choosing God's plan, some of you may be struggling, but how, how do I choose God's plan? Sometimes in my life, I don't see how God can lead me, how, how, how He leads me. I don't even see the, the hand of God, the working of God in my life. Is God there or not? It is just that at one time when I was staying in Sunway, high up on the 24th story, overlooking KL and Gentin Highlands. Sometimes, you know, on a clear day, I can see Gentin Highlands. Just a dot with my naked eye, but with the binoculars, I can see clearer. But then there are times when there are fog and clouds, and, and especially after the rain and all that, you know, sometimes the mountain is covered, you can't see the mountain. But when you cannot see the mountain, is the mountain still there or not? Of course, it's there. And God, likewise, sometimes you can't see the hand of God leading you, guiding you, and you wonder, God, where are you? In this plan, He's still there. The mountain is still there. He is still leading and guiding you. As a general guide, I follow Proverbs chapter 3 that tells us, commit your ways to the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. What do you do? In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will Direct your path. That's the beginning. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Before you start the business, before you enter into any relationship, before you do anything, acknowledge Him. Seek the counsel of the Lord. There'll be times when the direction is very clear. There may be times that you struggle. Which direction? When you are not sure, just commit everything and him in everything and do what you have to do and you'll find that the Lord will lead you and guide you. His hand will sustain you still. Sometimes you may not fully understand everything that the Lord is doing but just trust in Him. Have faith in the Lord that He will lead you and guide you. And even when there are mistakes made, the Lord will, will not just take our whip and whip you. No, He will direct you back to His path as long as there is an, an obedient heart. He will bring you back. He will bless you. And He will guide you because you are His precious children. Have faith and trust in the Lord. Many times we trust, we put our trust in people, don't we? When you are sick, what do you do? You go to a doctor. A doctor whose name you cannot even pronounce. 
and he writes a prescription for you, a prescription you can't even read because the handwriting is so terrible. And then you take that prescription, you go to a pharmacy, any pharmacy, a pharmacy that you don't even know. And after that, the pharmacies give you some medicine and you take that medicine. You trusted that pharmacy to give the right medicine. You take that medicine, you don't even know, understand what, uh, you don't even uh, have a clue of what this medicine is, but you take it. You have faith in people. Why not have faith in God? He will lead you and guide you. And when you trust God, you will have triumph when you have triumph in God's plan. My friends, that's the best. It may not seem successful in the sight of the world, but that's what real success and real triumph is when you triumph in God's plan. You may do your own thing and it may seem very successful to others, but there will be the lack of, the lack of fulfillment. You know that something else is missing. And when you follow God's plan, it may include passion and not just palm. And yet at the end of the day, you have the satisfaction you have that joy because you are doing the will of God. That's what really matters. You are following to do the will of the Father. The purpose of God is realized. So first of all, triumph in God's plan. Secondly, triumph in praise. Everybody say praise. Triumph in praise. Hosanna, they shouted. Hosanna is an expression both of praise as well as petition. It actually means save us. Come now and save us. It's an expression of praise and petition. And so on that day, there was a crowd. The whole city was stirred up, Matthew tells us. And they were praising and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why were they doing that? And who are these people? There's a mixed crowd, really. But Luke tells us, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. For what? For all the miracles that they had seen. So what were they praising Jesus for? For the miracles. And there are many such disciples who are looking for miracles only. They follow Jesus. They praise Jesus, but for what? For the miracles that they have seen. And that's human nature, isn't it? We look for miracles. So on that day, they were shouting, Hosanna! And so what were they asking? They want to see another miracle. Hey, they have just seen the miracle the previous day of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and the news spread very fast. He was a person who was dead for four days and now standing before them. Nobody could deny it. And after that, there was the healing of the blind. And now, they say, the, uh, Luke tells us, 
praising him because of the miracles they had seen. So what they're doing is they are asking Jesus to do another Houdini act, another magic show, raise another life, open another eye, heal another disease, cast another demon-possessed person, and you will be our king. They follow him because of the miracles. They praise him because they have seen what he had done and what he can do. So that was one of the crowd. But the other crowd are those people who are just saying, Hosanna, save us. Save us from what? They were not thinking about sin. They were thinking about savers from Rome. They are still captives to Rome. They are slaves to Rome. And Rome would force the Jews to eat pork, which is something that they do not do. Rome would force them to worship Caesar. And there is something that is out for them. And that's the kind of life that they were forced to. And so they are saying, save us from Rome from our enemies. There is also the other crowd, I'm sure, who are the true disciples of Jesus Christ, who know who He is, and they worship Him for who He is. Which crowd do you belong to? Are you just crying out to God and say, Lord, save me? In my marriage, save me from my financial situation. Save me from this. Save me from that, dear God. Now, nothing wrong in asking that. But are you worshipping and praising Him just because of that? There's another crowd. Give me a miracle and I will believe. Are you worshipping Him just because of that miracle? Or are you really following Jesus for who He is? Actually, the quotation here is taken from Psalms 118. What we have recorded in the Gospels is taken from this passage of Scripture. And it says here, Psalms 118, verse 25, O Lord, save us! Hosanna! Save us, O Lord! Grant us success! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. There's a real element of praise. The Lord is God. And He has made His light shine upon us with bows in hand, with palms in our hand, join in the festive procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for He is Good. And his love? Friends, that's why we praise God. That's why we praise God. But the Jews on that day wouldn't want that. They want another kind of salvation, as I have explained. And so the cries, the shouts, the acclamation, Hosanna, begins to die down. And slowly, the voices of Crucify him, rose up. Our friends, those who know him, praise him, not just for what he has done, what he can do for you, 
but rather for who He is. For He is our God. He is my God. I will exalt Him. I will praise Him. For He is good, and His love endures forever. He has saved me when I was lost, without hope, without meaning. 1975, he saved me. 1st January, 1975. And I experienced the everlasting love of God. So real, 27th of January, 1975, the love of God. And I've been singing His praises. My favorite hymn at that time was Blessed Assurance. Praising my Savior all the day long. And if on, since January 1975, if God has never done another miracle in my life, I would still praise Him because I owe Him my life. I would still praise Him if He has not done any other miracle, if He has not blessed me in any other ways, I would still have blessed Him. But He has done so many things. But we praise Him, not just for what He has done, but for who He is. For He is our God. Can somebody say Amen? Hallelujah. Come on, give Him a big praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Friends, praise is so very important in our lives. You want victory? Fill your life with praise. Not with a defeated attitude. Not just complaining. Not just seeing your lack. Not just always feeling your passion. Fill your life with praise. That's where our victory lies. You want to find God? You know where to find Him? If I say, hey, you know, this, this, this person is a very powerful one. Very got a lot of connection, you know. And I give you an address. You go and see Him. He will help. He can help you. Will you, do it? Will, you, will you take the address and, and look up for him? I'm sure you would, isn't it? Oh, yeah, wow, wow. If somebody can help me, I, I, I will look him up. And, and, and you will search for that address, all right? You will Google and you will go straight there. Do you know what is God's address? Home address. Okay, write it in your, in your handphone right, right now. Take out a piece of paper, write down God's address and you go and find him there, Okay. All right, are you ready? Okay, God's address. God's home address is Psalms 22, verse 3. Quickly, look up, quick, quickly, look at, that, look at that address and go and find him there. That's where God dwells. Where does he dwell? What's his address? Psalms 22, verse 3. God dwells where? In the praises of his people. There's God's address in the praises of His people. So wherever you praise Him, that becomes God's address. God does that when you learn to praise Him for who He is, for what He has done. Hallelujah. 
It is just like moisture in the air. We know that there's moisture in the air. Inside, outside. And when conditions are right, this moisture of the air will distill and form dew. And when there's enough dew, that's where we get rain. But the conditions must be right. And we say, God is everywhere. Yes, God is everywhere. But when condition is right, there is a special manifest presence of God. He manifests His presence in certain places, in different lives, and you wonder, what's the difference? The difference is when praise arise, arises to Him, it is just like the moisture in the air. When, when the conditions are, are, are right, they distill and form dew and even rain. And likewise also when praises rise up to God, He dwells in the praises of His people and He will manifest Himself. Let's praise Him. For He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He deserves our praises. He deserves even our thanks. Jesus says, if you do not, uh, 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 if the disciples, if the people were to stop praising Him, even the very stones will cry out and shout praises to God. And the quote here is, Hosanna, blessed is one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the highest means up to the angels. The angels will praise Him. People will praise Him. Nature and stones will praise Him. Let's praise the name of the Lord for He is good and His love endures forever. Give Him another round of applause. Thirdly, finally, triumph in God's power. Triumph not just in God's plan and in praise unto Him, but also in His power. Matthew 21 verse 10 tells us, all the city was moved. Everybody say move. Now, different version puts, use a different word for this. This is a very powerful word. Move. Or you know, as Matthew says, uh, it was, they were stirred up. The whole city was stirred up. And the Greek word is from the word S-E-I-O, C-O. And that's where we get the English word seismic, S-E-I-S-M-I-C. That means it's a quake, all right? It's a quake, an earthquake. Can you just imagine Jesus entering the city and the reaction and the response of the people is like an earthquake that swept through the entire city. Not just certain parts only, but the entire city of Jerusalem. And at that time, the you know, British, uh, or rather the uh, historian tells us that uh, there may be about, three, about two to three million people in Jerusalem at that time. And the whole city was stirred up. The whole city was moved. The whole city was quaking, all right, quaking, there is that, that a quaking effect, whole city was moved, shaken, it is not 
an earthquake, a, geolog uh, a geological earthquake in that sense, a physical earthquake, but rather a spiritual earthquake was sweeping through the entire city. A moral earthquake was sweeping through the city. An emotional uh, a crescendo was sweeping through the whole city and everybody felt it, the electric in the air. The very presence of Jesus Christ accomplished that. So powerful. I believe it was the divine power of God at work. It was not just emotional frenzy, but the very presence of God entering into Jerusalem. The city of God shook up the whole place. That's the presence and power of God. Bible says, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. Rejoice! Because the power of God is now present. Power, not as the people expected it, political power, no. He comes riding on a donkey, not on a horse this time. A power to heal, power to forgive sins, power to deliver, power to meet your innermost needs. That's what all of us need. And the power of God was present even on that day. How do we know? Rejoice! Daughter of Zion, daughter of Jerusalem, Rejoice! And surely, Lazarus was rejoicing. And the daughters of Jerusalem, the daughters of Bethany, Mary and Martha were rejoicing because the day before, Jesus has demonstrated His power by raising their brother from the dead. Is the power real? You ask Lazarus, he will tell you it's real. The power was so great that you know, Matthew 21, verse 10, all the city was moved, and then not only was, was it moved, the Bible also tells us, and they were asking, who is this? Who is this? The question in everybody's mind, who is this that can cause such an earthquake by His very presence? You ask John the Baptist, who is this? You will say, he is a lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You ask Peter and he will say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. You ask the two sisters, they will say, he is the one who is to come. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Who is this? Whom, the, whom they say that he was born of a virgin. Who is this? Whom they say can walk on water. Who is this? Whom they say can multiply bread and feed the multitudes. Who is this that can raise up the dead? Who is this that can heal all kinds of diseases and cast out demons? Who is this? 
And who is this to you? Oh, you ask John. He will tell you he is the word of God from the very beginning. Who is this? He's the Lamb of God. He is the bread that satisfies every hunger. He is the living water that satisfies every thirst. He is alive. He is a resurrection. He is the light of the world. He is a true vine. Who is this? To me, he is a friend that stays closer than a brother. To me, he is a great physician. When I lie on my sick bed, To me, he is the wisdom of God when I was, was confused. The bread of life when I was hungry. To me, he is my everything. Who is this to you today? No diseases is greater than his touch. No demons is greater than his authority. No disaster beyond, is beyond his arm to reach, to help, to deliver. Even death cannot touch him. Who is this? Jesus says, all power and authority is given unto me. So let's worship him, let's trust him, and this power is still for us today. It's not just in the past, but it's for us in order to live that victorious life. Through all your palm days, through all your passion days, this power will keep you. It's not just to do miracles, but it's to keep you in your everyday challenges in life. He is our everything. Somebody say amen. amen. And so brothers and sisters, the Bible says that he has triumphed. He has triumphed. Revelation 5.5. 5. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Everybody say, Jesus has triumphed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He went through Palm Sunday. He went through Passion Sunday. He went through even Good Friday. On the third day, he rose from the dead and he's alive forevermore in heaven. He was given, the only one given to have that authority to open the seal. And now, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. He has given us the triumph. He leads us in triumph. When? Sometimes? No. The Bible says what? Always. He always leads us in triumph. God always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. In other words, brothers and sisters, He wants you to be triumphant. 
That is your destiny. No matter what you are facing, you can triumph. What does it mean to triumph? The very word triumph itself means, of course, it means victory, success, but the very word implies there is a battle. You don't have triumph without a battle. So whatever battles that you are going through, He will lead you through and you are going to be triumphant. Triumphant in Him. And it is not just occasionally, but it is continuously, always continuously. It is, Christian life shouldn't be an up and down, up and down like a yo-yo. But continuously in every situation, He will grant us the victory and our triumph is in Christ Jesus. And when you have experienced that triumph, go and share it with others. The fragrance, the Bible says, the, the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. So this coming Good Friday and Easter, go and share the triumph of Christ. Invite your friends, come and see for yourself. Come and listen, come and experience the triumph in Christ Jesus. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, be triumphant every day. Always, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, be triumphant. You are triumphant in Christ every day, always. Hallelujah. We have the victory because Christ has won it for us. So to experience the victory of the King, to live a life triumphant, triumph in God's purpose, triumph in praise, and triumph even in the power of Christ Jesus, our Lord, in each one of us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give Him a praise offering.